Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio Classics, where we listen to a classic episode with a new intro. Now, I love this episode. This episode combines two things I really like. One, the first story, I think it's funny. It's a story of a woman. You know, I'm not going to spoil this story. I just think it's a funny story. I think I think it works. I don't want to give anything away, but I like that. And then the second story, the first story is me basically reading an article, or quoting an article would be a better way to say it, and debunking it, and basically saying that's why I don't think this would work. And I find that particularly humorous, and I think it's important to do. I think a lot of podcast hosts, or YouTubers, however you want to say it, either believe in too much stuff, or they don't believe in it, but they act like they do because they know it'll get views. And that's been a thing on this show. There have been multiple times in the run of this show where I've realized if I acted like I believed in this stuff, the audience would be much bigger. But you know what? I want my audience to be bigger, but I want my audience to be you guys bigger. I want my audience to be smart, funny, very handsome, very charming people. Because you guys rock. You guys really are awesome. And you guys are the audience that I want. Yes. Do I want a bigger audience? Of course. You always want a bigger audience. But I want you guys. So I don't want to go off and be saying stuff that I don't believe is true. So that's why I like this first story. Because it's basically saying, we can have fun with the paranormal, but we don't have to believe everything we read about this stuff. And that's why I love kind of talking about, I mentioned on yesterday's Classics episode about, I like finding these weirdo cults, these weird people, and kind of just going through their belief system and kind of shredding it to pieces. Or or debunking it in an entertaining way. Because we can't just accept, just because someone goes, ta-da, I'm a witch! A lot of people who believe this stuff will be like, we'll believe everything you say. And we're not like that. I think the audience of the show isn't like that, and I think you guys appreciate it. So the first story is just a funny debunking. The second story is what I think the other strength of the show is. And again, I, I always feel like these intros kind of kind of toot my horn a bit, but they're my favorite episodes for a reason. Obviously, I'm pick I'm cherry picking what I think are the best episodes. The first story is funny. The second story is chilling, and I think it's probably one of the better research stories. I was leaving stuff out of this episode. I had tons of notes on this story. Because again, so the first story, a woman's making an extraordinary claim. And no evidence whatsoever to back it up. The second story, I'm making an extraordinary claim. That the story of the Pied Piper of Hamlin, the dude with the flute that lures a bunch of children out to the mountains, is based on a true story. And knowing that that old nursery rhyme, fairy tale, however you want to put it, that we've all heard trying to say that was based on a true story. I had to back it up. Yesterday's episode saying Freddy Krueger based on a true demon. My fear was finding the links. Because again, you you guys are an awesome audience. I mentioned earlier people complaining about the bricks being wrong, the bricks being wrong with the stupid story about the college. To me, that was a quibbling detail, but who cares where the bricks were from? And honestly, I was right on the bricks thing, so it doesn't matter. But the point is, is that when you make the, the bricks, whatever, that's not an extraordinary claim. When I'm saying stuff like the Pied Piper of Hamlet is based on a true story, I had to bring my A game. So I really had to research that. And that was one that I had learned pretty recently when I was doing this episode. And I think I say in the episode, the whole too good to be true week was based around the idea of the Pied Piper Hamlin's based on a true story. That was completely shocking to me. 
So we go into old town records. We, we look at the history of the town. I really, really love the research. And the story itself is creepy. So I think this has the... Per- I've talked about this on a couple times. I like episodes that combine the humor and combine the facts. And I think this story... Do- I think this episode does that really, really well. And it's r- spooky. It's a spooky episode. After the first part where we're kind of laughing at this woman, the second part is just like, what happened to these kids? So see if you can figure out that answer. See if you can finally solve the mystery of what happened to all those children as you listen to episode 221, the terrifying true tale of the Pied Piper of Hamlin. A 20-minute follow-up discussion of the Phantom of the Opera. No, I'm just joking. We're done with that one. A woman finds physical proof that she jumped between dimensions. And then we finish off Too Good to Be True Week with the story that actually started the idea for the theme. The Pied Piper of Hamelin is a classic tale of revenge. But, according to historical documents... Someone did go into the town of Hamlin, and 130 kids disappeared forever. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Gardner. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. It's funny, I'm re-recording this intro. I just went on a five minute rant about the fans of the video game... The Walking Dead R World. It's a little VR game that I've been playing on my phone. Just casually. Hitting the screen. Killing zombies. Turns out there's actually like a huge boycott against it. Like people are like, we're going to keep playing your game. But we're not going to spend any money until you fix this stuff. And I'm thinking, why even just keep playing the game? Actually made me want to stop playing the game. Because I was like, all this drama over an an AR game. It's like Pokemon Go with zombies. You just walk around. You find zombies. You poke them in the head with your finger on the screen, and they die, and then you get some coins, and then you use the coins to upgrade your heroes. But you can also spend money to upgrade your heroes faster. People are like, I've spent 50 bucks multiple times on your game, and you need to fix this stuff. And I'm thinking, 50 bucks? Dude, it's a free mobile game. Like, sometimes I'll drop, like, for a free game, if I'm playing a free game a lot. I I spent about two bucks on The Walking Dead. I bought something. When I'm playing a free game, like Warframe or something like that, Sometimes when I am playing a free game, though, and I have a lot of enjoyment out of it, I'll throw the developers a couple bucks. But 50 bucks? I'll go buy a video game. Like, a real video game for that. (laughs) An actual video game, not a mobile game. So, yeah, just super bizarre. People get so worked up over the the weirdest stuff. One guy was like, I have to do spreadsheets every day for a mobile game? If you're playing a mobile game and you're developing spreadsheets, that's just bizarre to me. That's just so... I don't even have spreadsheets for my podcast. (laughs) I don't even do spreadsheets for this. This is kind of like becoming my job. This is my career at this point. Yeah, man. It was just, there was a bizarre little subculture that I stumbled into. I was just looking for tips. I was looking for like, which card should I upgrade next? Should I upgrade my submachine gun or should I spend more points on getting Carl to be stronger? And I stumbled across this huge boycott. That's all one. That's what I get for going on Reddit. And two, it's just weird. It almost like, I'm just like, uh, if there, if people who are spending $50 ever so often are having such trouble with this game and I'm not paying anything, I'm kind of just don't want to play it anymore. But anyways, that, that aside, that is, I always am, I'm always like just amazed by these bizarre subcultures that pop up. Um, 
Other than that, though, let's go ahead and move on to our first story. Now, our first story is actually, I found quite amusing. Because, I guess it kind of goes into the same thing with the, with with subcultures. Like, if you stumbled across this information, I want you to think, what would you do with this? And And then we look at what she did with it. So there is an author named Trish Lesage. Trish Lesage. I'll give you three guesses of what she writes about, based on that name. She's probably a lovely person. I'm not trying to say anything bad about her, but obviously. She's into metaphysics and astrophysics. Not astrophysics, that's real. She's into metaphysics and she's into like healing crystals and all that stuff. Trish Lesage. Anyways, so she wrote an article and she tells this story. It was January 21st, 2012. She says every month in her town, which I wasn't able to figure out where it was. I'm going to assume it's America. She gets this monthly magazine about uh, metaphysics and spirituality. So I'm really I'm thinking it's most likely a West Coast city. If they're able to put out a monthly magazine about metaphysics and spirituality. So she gets this monthly magazine. And she notices she's in the December issue and the January issue. There is an ad for some healing Made some made up healing stuff, some stuff that doesn't work at all unless you believe in it 100%. She sees ads for it. It says in the ad, totally fake, only works if you think it works. Call this number. But she sees the ad, and then there's this quote. I love this quote. I was interested in getting some healing energy done, and I wanted to try to change some parts of my soul contract. Never heard of that before. Never heard of a soul contract before. And I was like, I could research this more, and maybe I will. But I don't want to right now, because I have more weirdness to go into. So she's sitting there, she's kind of like, you know what, I'm having some physical ailments, some spiritual ailments, and oh yeah, that soul contract, I've been trying to get that worked out for a while. So so instead of going to a soul lawyer, ooh, a soul Goodman maybe? Instead of going to a soul lawyer, she ends up, instead of going to the soul lawyer, she ends up um, seeing the website and the phone number in the ad and an email address. So she tr- emails the healer at first and doesn't get a response. Now, I, I don't know if she was sitting there the whole time, like tapping her fingernails, waiting for the response to come through. Or if she knows how email works, you send an email and then you wait an amount of time. But anyway, she says she sent an email. She didn't get a response. She went to the website. There was no website there. So she called the person up. She called up the healer. And she says, hey, I'm responding to the ad in this magazine. And then there was dead silence on the other end of the phone with the healer. She's like, hmm, that's weird. And then the healer starts talking after this silence. And they're talking, yeah, 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 I do that fake stuff. Oh, yeah, you do the fake stuff? You do that stuff that's going to make me think that something actually happened when nothing happened and I gave you $70? Yeah, 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 that's my specialty. How'd you know? Totally fake. Totally fake healing services. So they're talking about it. And then... Uh, Trish goes, oh, can I send you the money via PayPal? And the healer goes, oh, I don't have a PayPal. I'm actually waiting for my son to come home. <laughs> so I'm assuming, uh, so I'm assuming this woman's like, at this point, like 67 years old. Oh, I can't work on those computer things. Sure, I can bend space time and touch the astral plane to fix your ailments and uh, work on your soul contract. But computers, whoa, no way. You know what's funny? I run into people all the time. It frustrates me so much. They go, I'll be talking about computers or cell phones or something like that. I've come up with the perfect comeback because it's been happening my whole life. They'll be like, oh, I'm not a computer person. And I will always say, I'm not an oven person. I don't know how to work an oven at all. And they'll be like, what? And then I go into this. I go, listen, man, computers have been around for 40 years. 20 years ago, 
Sure, people could say, oh, I'm not good with computers. But computers have been around for about 40 years now. Consumer-wise, since the late 80s, like you could afford your own computer. If you don't know how to work a computer now, it's no different than if someone came up to you and says, I don't know how to work an oven. Because they're everywhere and you should know how to work a computer. I mean, I've gotten to the point where it really frustrates me when people say I'm not a computer person. Because they're everywhere. Anyways, yes, it's one of those episodes where I'm a little snarky. So, this person's not a computer person, although she is one with the megalith mind of all eternity. She can't work a computer. And she goes, my son is going to come over and help me set it up. And then she goes, oh, and also, I never placed an ad in that newspaper. So that's why that confused me at first when he said that you saw my ad in newspaper. I've never placed an ad in that newspaper. Dun, dun, dun. So this is the quote from Trish after all of that. Since she started speaking immediately after that, after that revelation, since she started speaking immediately after that, I got distracted and did not mention her website. However, after hanging up the phone, I remembered that I did cross over into a parallel universe at approximately 1.40 a.m. on January 1st, 2012. And I crossed over to yet another parallel universe on another day in January. What could she have possibly... Okay, there's a lot of stuff that I suck there, but let's start off at the beginning. Since she started speaking immediately after that, I got distracted and did not mention her website. What could pos... You realize now that you're talking to someone from another universe, that you're holding physical proof... That they posted an ad. The reason you got their number was because of an ad in the newspaper. And there's a website and a phone number. You're holding it. You're holding physical proof in your hand. What possibly could the other person say that would make you get distracted from that reality? Oh, oh yeah, she started talking about all this other made-up stuff. So I totally forgot about the made-up stuff that I believe in. And, And here's the thing. She's holding the physical proof that she slipped into another reality. And then she, the article ends with her just going... What a wacky world we live in. Sometimes we just swap from reality to reality, and that's it. All done. So what would you do? And I read that, and I thought, you know what? Okay, let's say that this experience happened to me. Let's say that I was dumb enough to call this psychic or this healer up or whatever the the world she technically was and said, I need your fake services. And I saw your ad in the newspaper and your website's down. And they were dead silent. And then through the course of the conversation, they go, oh, I'm not a computer person. And I tell them, I'm not an oven person. Let's get through this, okay? I'm going to do this rant and we'll keep on moving. She's like, what are you talking about? Forget it. I just want to know why you have a website in your ad that doesn't work. And she goes, I never put up a website. I never put up an ad. I would then hang up the phone, go to her place of business, And spend the next three hours showing her the newspapers and being like, dude, this is some serious stuff. I go, this is your phone number, right? Yeah, this is your phone number. So you did place an ad. I'm from a reality where you placed the ad already. Like, that is what a normal human would do. Go to the metaphysical newspaper and say, hey, you guys make up a bunch of stuff in your newspaper, right? And they're like, yeah, it's all made up. Well, you want to cover a real story? Look at this. Throw down the newspaper. And then they'd match it against the paper they did print in that reality and Their minds would blow up. That's what a person would do. That's what a normal person would do. And that is what a person would do if the story was true. This story was true in any way, shape, or form. Now, the thing is, we have no photographs of the ads. We have nothing of this, of proof of this story. Now, obviously, she could have shifted back into another reality where she knows. And also, I just thought of this. How many times do people shift reality and their apartment shifts reality too? 
Was she carrying both copies of the newspaper around when she was shifting realities? Like, it's not that you shift reality and then your car shifts with you. And you're like, that's weird. I'm playing this Jamie Lynn Spears CD on my car. And Britney Spears is just an actor. And the world's flip-flopped and everything's horrible. No, you shift reality. The man from Torred, he didn't, his whole plane didn't shift, just he did. Maybe the stuff in his pocket, like his pennies, we've talked about that before. But you just don't shift and then you go into reality where all your food's spoiled because you didn't pay your electric bill in that other reality. But everything else is normal. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense at all. So I'm, and I should say, I'm not calling Trish a liar. I just am saying that this story has a major hold in it. And it was possible proof. It was absolute possible proof of someone shifting realities and it's just kind of like hand waved off. It would be like me walking around with a book that said the Berenstein Bears, not the Berenstain Bears. And I have a whole library of them because I shifted reality with those books over and here you are. I'm in your reality and I would be able to show those books and people would be like, oh, you could dispute them, say, oh, those are misprints and stuff like that. But she could have taken the newspaper to the healer. She could have taken the newspaper to the newspaper that published it and showed proof that a sliver of the stuff that they talk about actually has some sort of merit. But instead, what a wacky world we live in. But let's go, let's go ahead, and Fridays are actually turning out to be rant episodes. I don't necessarily want that to be an ongoing theme. I don't necessarily think it's healthy for my mental development to every Friday sit in front of a mic and just rant, as entertaining as they may be. And I don't know how entertaining it is. I haven't edited it yet, but I, I don't think it would be good for my growth, my soul contract, to just get angry every Friday. I think it was last Friday was the Benadryl episode. That was, man, that was rough. But let's go ahead and move on to our next story. Now, again, the story is so bizarre. And this is the story that made me say, I wonder how many other things out there are true. Because I never thought this one was true. Let's hop into Dead Rabbit Dirgible, which is actually good because we're going back in time. We want to be quaint and quiet. We don't want anything loud. Plus, all of our loud vehicles have kind of been destroyed. But we are working on them. So have faith, true believers. We're going to take the Dead Rabbit Dirgible. We are going back in time to the year 1284. We're flying a dirigible over Germany. We're specifically going to the town of Hamlin. And in this town... Well, you know what's funny? It's actually kind of hard to tell the story because there's different versions of it. So we're just going to kind of settle in on one and then kind of kind of go through, take the details out that, that were added later. So we're over the town of Hamlin. And there's a bunch of rats, dude. The place is terrible. It's totally infested with rats. Rats are eating your cheese rats are dating your daughter rats are actually running for mayor in the upcoming election and they may win because there's so many other rats to vote for him it's a total total mess town people don't know what to do about it you can only bash so many rats heads in before you become a shell of a person just ask charlie so they don't know what to do and one day a guy showed up and he was wearing multicolored clothes which multicolored clothes another term for that was pied i don't know why those two things are connected even if you put different berries in a pie, it'll always turn out just red. Like if you threw some boysenberries in there. Well, I guess then it would be purple. But if you threw like boysenberries and then cherries, do they make strawberry pie? Anyways, you put all this stuff in, it just becomes one uniform color. But for whatever reason, pied means multicolored. Pied, this guy shows up, he's wearing all these funky clothes, and they're like, what are you doing here? And he's like, hey, man, I have a deal for you. I got this flute. I'm going to play it. And I'll lead all the rats out of town, but you got to pay me a ton of money. And the thing they settle on is about like a thousand Denmarks or doinks or whatever they marks. What do they use in Germany? Marks? Anyways, he's like, 
give me a thousand of those gold things you have over there sitting in the corner. He's like, those? And he's like, yeah, those. Give me a thousand of those. I'm going to play my flute. I'm going to lead the rats out of the city and drown them. And they're like, that? Okay. that We don't think it's going to work, but go ahead, weirdo. So the dude... And the rats start like getting up. They end their mayoral campaign. Leave your daughter at the altar. And leave all your cheese alone. And they lead all the rats in town. Follow the Pied Piper out of town. And then he leads them into the river. And they all drown. Your daughter is heartbroken, but she'll get over it. Pied Piper comes back into town and says, Hey, you made my money. I did my part of the job. Give me the thousand gold things. And they're like, oh, yeah. And we, it seemed like we thought it was going to be harder. We thought you could actually earn your money. But that was like super easy. So we're not going to pay you the full thousand. We'll give you half or one tenth. It really depends on the version of the legend. And some of the legends, they don't pay them at all. And at that point, the Pied Piper, the sun gets covered by clouds. And the Pied Piper gets all dramatic. And he goes, I will return. And I will get my money. In a true act of revenge, I will do that. Stomps off. Townspeople was like, that wasn't very funny. I thought Jason was going to come up with a funny joke. And they're like, no. You're just setting the scene. So anyways, Pied Piper leaves. Now, this is where stuff gets interesting. June 26th, 1284. That's a big festival day. It's like the day of like St. Paul and Mary or something like that. It's a big festival day. So all the adults were in church in the town. But the kids weren't. Kids are out having a ball. Kids are eating all your cheese, marrying your daughter, running for mayor. And the Pied Piper shows up, but this time he's wearing all green. The clothes of a hunter. He's kind of badass, actually. He shows up in all green this time. Starts playing his flute. And the kids in town hear the music and get up and start kind of boogieing, following him. Now... All the parents are in church, so there's no witnesses to this. But there's three kids who do see what's happening because they're able to report it later on. And the three kids, one of them was blind, so he didn't know where to go. He didn't know where to dance. He couldn't do the. He couldn't. He didn't know the right dance moves. He was bumping in everyone. He didn't know what path they were taking. I don't know why he couldn't hear the flute, the direction of the flute, but he couldn't. So the blind kid got left behind. There was a deaf kid who could see everyone boogieing, but couldn't like get down, couldn't feel the funk, because he was deaf. He couldn't hear the music. And he's like, why is everyone dancing on the street? He sees the blind kid straight up like doing the cabbage patch in the corner, but he's like, what's going on? And the blind kid's like, I don't know. I'm just, I love this music. This is my jam. I love this flute. And then the third kid was a lame kid, which technically means that he was uh, like, he was handicapped. But I like to think that the Pied Piper thought that guy was so lame. I'm not taking that kid. He's like a kid with his jacked up haircut, worse clothes than the Pied Piper, like they're just ragged and they're just super gross and Pied Piper is dancing down the street enacting revenge trying to steal all the kids and sees this total dork in the corner dancing. <laughs> the Pied Piper's like pushing him away with his foot. Get out of here. I don't want you. You're lame. You're lame. You're too lame to kidnap. That is lame. If a man bent on revenge against the city is stealing all of their children and leaves yours, you should feel embarrassed as a parent because you know your child is lame. But anyways, so the lame kid, the blind kid, and the deaf kid, well, not the blind kid doesn't see this, but the deaf kid and Milhouse, but the deaf kid and the lame kid see the Pied Piper lead the kids off out of the city and into the mountains, and the kids were never seen again after that. So they alerted the townspeople and they said, 
hey, townspeople, I mean, hey, people that we know, mom, dad, (laughs) the lame kid's like, mom, dad, and they're just pretending it's not their kid. They're like, oh, who's he talking to? Is he talking to you? They tell the people in church, hey, this is what happened. People in the church come out, town's empty, except for them, and and the blank kid, and the loser, and the deaf kid. So... The story, the moral of the story is uh, pay your debts. Like, basically, the moral of the story is if you make a deal with someone, pay your deal. Because otherwise, all your children may get kidnapped. The end. But what's interesting is that there's actually a lot of historical evidence that something like this happened. And let's look. It's fascinating. So you hear that story and you're like, oh, this is like a folktale. And people go, yes, yes, the Brothers of Graham and all this stuff based them on actual folktales. This isn't a folktale. There's historical records that something happened in the town of Hamlet. So, in the year 1300, so that story took place in 1284, so only about 16 years later, a stained glass window was installed in a church in the town of Hamlin. And it's been destroyed now. It's In the 1600s, it was destroyed. But there are documents of what it said back then. There are writings of the time of when that window was still up saying what it showed. The stained glass window showed a Pied Piper, a man in multicolored clothing, playing his flute, Kids walking away. That's what it showed in the window. And the inscription, like they had the writing in the window, in the year 1284 after the birth of Christ, from Hamlin were led away. 130 children born at this place, led away by a piper into a mountain. And you're thinking, okay, maybe that's just like a little fable that they put on their window for whatever reason. Maybe it was something playful. Maybe the guy at the church was having some artistic license. 16 years after the supposed event, This window goes up in this church. In the Hamlin Town Chronicle, so like their town record in 1384, somebody wrote in the town record, it is 100 years since our children left. It's getting creepy. In 1556, a new gate was built into the the wall that surrounded the city of Hamlin. They put in a new gate, 1556. And there's an inscription on the gate that says, In the year 1556, 272 years after the magician led 130 children out of the town, this portal was erected. So this was centuries before the Brothers Grimm, centuries before Goethe was writing these poems and these stories and making it a story that is well known in the Western world, the Pied Piper of Hamlin. This is long before that. If it was afterwards, you can think maybe it was some tourist trap thing where they're like, oh yeah, let's make this thing because everyone knows Pied Piper Hamlin, let's make some money off this. Way before that, people, there are documentation, there are records, there are inscriptions saying, and, and I'm, those are three of them. There are a ton of them. I could keep going on and on about it was written like this in the 1400s, it was written like this in the 1500s, there's a ton of them. Those I think are the three kind of creepiest ones. So something did happen to the children of Hamlin. They left. There are a lot of people who have tried to figure out exactly what happened. Oddly enough, it wasn't until 1559, because the story was being told. It wasn't like this popular thing where people would be like, hey, let's go to Hamlin. Let's go find that place where all those kids went missing, because again, it's 1500s. Everyone kids are missing. The Black Plague is ravishing Europe. There's wars all the time. People aren't putting on they're Mickey Mouse hats, they're, but these are like rat-shaped hats going to a place where uh, other kids miss are missing. Your kids are missing. Your kids are dead somewhere in a ditch. So, anyways, that was kind of dark. It wasn't until 1559, though, that when people talked about the story of Hamlin, that they added the rats. The original story of Hamlin was a dude shows up, 
in multicolored clothes and leads 130 kids out of the city. The, almost the morality of it, the story of the townspeople deserving that, was added 300 years after it happened. The original version is a dude just shows up and takes all the kids. So there's a couple of theories of what's going on. One is it was uh, the Pied Piper represents death and it was the Black Plague. People don't buy that one because the Black Plague didn't hit that area of Europe until much, much later. Much later. And why would it only attack the kids? There was the idea that it was the kids being sold off into slavery. That someone showed up and enslaved all the children. That the people of the town sold the kids. And the story of the Pied Piper was basically a cover story for the fact that they all sold their kids. Some people say if you look at a Polish phone book, which sounds like the setup for a joke, but if you look at a Polish phone book, um, there are names in there that appear that they would have come, like surnames that would have come from Hamlin, so they think that some people may have been sold into slavery in Poland. That is possible, but the thing is, is like, if you have a town, and you have 130 kids, and the references seem to be that the kids are taken, since our children left and stuff like that, One, if you did sell your kids into slavery, why would you make any record of it at all? You want to put it in your town chronicle. You wouldn't even put a veiled reference to it. You definitely want to put it in your church. Saying, oh yeah, remember when we sold all of our children to slavery? Let's make a big stained glass window of that. You would cover it up because one, you wouldn't want anyone else to notice it. And and two, I can understand families selling their kids individually into slavery because they need some money. But for a city to function, you need a next generation to come up and be the new taxpaying citizens. For, so for them to sell off, for a city decision to sell off 130 future taxpaying citizens is quite odd. It's very, very short-sighted. So, but it's possible. That's one of the theories. The other one is that the kids left on their own um, because they went to go join a children's crusade. And the dude, the Pied Piper, was some sort of military recruiter. But, I mean, that's kind of odd. I think he would be like, come on, you maggots, get up there. We're going to go kill some Muslims. Let's go, 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 go. And the kids are, like, running through the streets holding their swords above their head. This is my rifle. This is my gun. That type of stuff. I don't think he'd be wearing multicolored clothes and playing a flute. That might just be me being facetious and having a modern interpretation of it. But And that would make sense, though. The military version would make sense why the blind kid, the deaf kid, and the lame kid were left behind because they're going to go, like, storm Istanbul. They don't want them there. They're like, oh, you're going to be dragging us down, blind kid, deaf kid, and lame kid. You just suck, so you stay here. None of those theories are bulletproof. The only thing that we know historically is that 130 kids disappeared from a town in a single day because some of the written references will say on June 26th and other versions reference that day. And then the historical documents will also reference that day. So if it was the Black Plague, they just don't, they just don't fall at the same time. If they are getting sold into slavery, maybe. If they're getting recruited, maybe. Although, interestingly enough, the road that the kids walked down to leave town is named, now it's named, it wasn't named that before, but now it's named Bungle Lusenstrasse, which means street without drums. And apparently, even to this day, it is illegal to play music or dance on that street. Is it possible that some weirdo dressed all like the Joker on acid showed up at a town, played a little music and led 130 kids, never to be seen again? It seems far-fetched, but it's possible. We've had things like Dancing Mania. We did an episode a long time ago about that where people had this compulsive need to dance and they just danced from town to town and there was people would like become paralyzed from dancing too much. People would die and drown and all sorts of stuff. It's weird to think that a story you hear as a child could be true. A story that's as fanciful as this could be true. 
a man showing up at a town and kidnapping 130 people, 130 children in one day, and those kids never being seen again. Or the Pied Piper. It really, you know, it's funny because you can put the Pied Piper in one of two categories. You could put him in the category as some sort of spirit or some sort of force. Like, it's a man. I believe it was a man who did this, but that he had some sort of mystical power through the power of his flute could get people to do what he wanted to. We have to dismiss the rats because that wasn't added until a long time before. So just looking at the story of someone coming to town and stealing 130 kids, you can look at it as this was a man who had some sort of magical power over the children or this was just a man who literally kidnapped 130 kids somehow. And it's, it's funny because it's one of those things that is just a matter of degrees. Can a person kidnap one kid at a time? Absolutely. Can a person kidnap two kids at a time? Absolutely. Can a person kidnap five kids at a time? Maybe. We're basically just looking at the raw numbers. If the story was, a man came to the town of Hamlin with a flute, and one child disappeared, you wouldn't even bat your eye. You wouldn't even think, well, you would feel bad for the kid. But I mean, you wouldn't then immortalize it in a legend. But it's the numbers that makes it so high. It's not the fact that a stranger comes to town and a child or a few children disappear. It's the fact that there's 130 of them on a particular day. What I think's fascinating is that the story, the version of the with the rats in it that was added 300 years later, makes the story more comfortable. Because then the villains of the story are the townspeople who didn't live up to their end of the bargain. You add the rats because then it makes the people in the town the bad guys. The, the Pied Piper is the wronged party. You're not going to pay me my thousand gold German currency? I'm taking your kids. And when you're reading that, you get a moral from that story. Pay your debts. Which is funny. Ironic for me to say I owe the IRS a bunch of money, but pay your debts. And I'm paying it. IRS, I'm paying it. I'm getting my money together. Pay your debts is the moral of the story. And then you turn the page and you go to the, whatever, the tortoise and the hare or the the three bears, Goldilocks and three bears. Go to the next moral. That's comfortable. Because then you realize that if you pay your debts, then you are fine. You move on to the next moral lesson. But the original story of the Pied Piper is much more unsettling. A small town somewhere in Germany. Everyone minding their own business. And things are going okay. And then on June 26th, this religious holiday, the adults all go to the church. And when they come out, streets are silent. They hear no babies. They see no kids running through the street. Toys just left on the ground. Because in that version of the story, they are still punished, but they don't know why they were punished. They don't know what they did to deserve 130 children disappearing forever from their city. And the only moral lesson in that story is that life is cruel and unfair. And IRS, you will get your money very, very soon. DeadRabbitRadioGmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at Facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.